Once again, what's going on, Who That Nation? It is yours truly, TJ Jones, the host of the State of the Saints podcast. And this is the take two edition of the State of the Saints podcast, week two preseason game review. Now, for those that just tuned in, we had a little bit of some mic issues, and I can tell you exactly what happened. Some of you may know my co-host Paxton. Uh, Paxton, he likes to play with the microphones now, you know, and now I noticed that (laughs) he turned the mic gain all the way up and not to mention that I do the show right by a window and outside the window uh, is my air conditioning system. And because of the electricity that it pulls connected to the mic, it caused the mic to go haywire. So between Paxton and the air conditioning (laughs) is the reason why the mic uh, wasn't working. But thank you all so much, man. Appreciate all of the producers we have here uh, keeping me on my my P's and Q's. And I'm going to be honest with y'all, man. Like, I'm looking straight at the camera. So most of the time when people are telling me certain things, I don't catch it right away, you know, until I actually, you know, look down. So thank you all so much. Uh, allowing me to just go ahead and nip it in a bud early before I waste all that energy and realize that you all couldn't hear me. But we're talking about Saints preseason game number two. Um, This game right here, um, I'm looking for some things. I'm pretty sure you all are looking for some things, but in no particular order, these are some things that I'm actually looking for in preseason game number two. Uh, The Saints last week, they played really good defensively. They had one of their best defensive performances uh, early um, that I've seen in a very long time. Normally, it takes the New Orleans Saints defense a couple weeks in order for them to kind of catch on. This was one of the first times I've seen the Saints defense like right off the bat, like right out the gate, start really hot. And um, that that leads to a lot of optimism uh, as a Saints fan. So I'm looking for them to replicate some of the things that I seen last week against uh, the Baltimore Ravens. Um, also, I'm looking at some of these rookies that stepped up, uh, guys like Paulson Adebo, you know, a guy that a lot of people are looking to uh, chase after that number two corner uh, spot, and he's done an outstanding job. Uh, he was getting picked on earlier in the game, and he was up to the challenge. So we'd love to see him replicate some of the things we seen last week uh, also, with the linebacker play, I want to see if that those linebackers, those young linebackers can uh, still do some of the good things that they did last week. And uh, just if there's opportunity for some of those guys that didn't play last week, guys like uh, Pete Warner, guys like Peyton Turner to get some snaps, I would love to see uh, those guys in action uh, in an actual uh, football game. Uh, those are some things that I'm looking for. Offensively, I think we're all on the same page here. We're looking for the New Orleans Saints to fix some of those turnover issues. Six turnovers to open up the 2021 season. uh, That's that's not good. Okay, that's that's no bueno. Uh, We have to make sure that ball security is important. That's something that I'm looking uh, to. I'm looking at guys like Tony Jones, who had really good uh, preseason performances. But also, I'm looking for him to hold on to the football. I'm looking for guys like Latavius Murray to bounce back. Guys like, uh, you know, Devontae Freeman to actually uh, do some things as well. And I'm also looking at some of these wide receivers, man. We're hearing a lot of good things coming out of camp. Kevin White was signed earlier in the week, and we're hearing that he's making some some waves at camp, uh, at practice. So I would love to see him go out there and perform, 
maybe score a touchdown or have a big play or two. So looking at some of these things, these are some of the things that I'm looking for. Not really too concerned about a win or a loss. I'm just more concerned about execution because those are the things that you're going to need going into the regular season. And finally, last but not least, can Jameis Winston pull away from this quarterback competition? You know, we've been hearing a lot of positive things about Jameis Winston, uh, the 80-yard pass uh, in camp, 60-yard touchdown pass. We're looking at all these different things and hearing about all these different things that are happening with Jameis Winston. He finally getting the opportunity to start a preseason game. Can he go out here and capitalize? You know, I think it's about that time that we start to hear guys separating themselves when it comes to the competition at training camp. Training camp is about to wrap up, and we still have some guys out here that have not solidified a position. Hopefully, with a good performance on tonight, we'll see Jameis Winston finally pull away, and maybe he'll become that starting quarterback. Who knows, okay? But Jameis Winston has got to take this if he wants it, okay? nobody's going to give him anything you know Taysom Hill is really trying to put forward an effort to try to make a you know try to make a campaign for this whole uh, quarterback competition so looking forward to seeing some of these storylines that's what I'm looking for I'm looking forward to reading some of your comments to see what you all are actually looking for in this week two preseason game going to go ahead and start uh we're going to go ahead and start with Jerry Jerry says game night yeah definitely it's definitely game night excited about that uh ybe uh jay says laughing at pac-man yeah man pac-man my goodness man you know he he's uh he's really uh reaching that stage where he's exploring he wants to touch everything and he loves hanging out in daddy's office man he loves like putting my headphones on and likes uh pressing the little buttons and stuff like that and sometimes you know, I, I have my certain setting, right? Because, I mean, I'm the only person in here. Nobody really comes in here like that. So <laughs> I'm used to, like, putting my headphones on, put my mic on, and then all of a sudden just going at it. But now I'm going to have to start doing mic checks again because sometimes he'll find his way in here and he'll be pressing buttons, moving stuff up and down, and I'm I'm thinking I'm fine and I'm sounding like T-Pain, you know, <laughs> or the Migos or something, you know, but – yeah, man, I, I love it, though, man. I, I love the fact that he's always kind of, you know, in here. You know, I mean, it, it doesn't bother me at all. It's just, you know, when he does things like that, it just, you know, like, what what are you doing, man? Uh, no penalties all season on defense. We win every game. Wistful thoughts, but real talk. Uh, look, I mean, that is wistful talk right there. I mean, you're going to have penalties. It's going to happen. That's just a part of the game. But what you can do is minimize the amount of penalties you have. And we know that it's possible because we see a very disciplined football team year in, year out in the New England Patriots. They're probably one of the most least penalized teams in football. So it's attainable, uh, but it, it, it's a matter of discipline. you got to be able to uh, be disciplined and making sure that you know your assignments. And um, technique is very, very important when you want to avoid uh, penalties. Uh, I'm good, Nikayla. Uh, I'm at work. Let's see. Uh, break out uh, your Saints gear, everyone, because I am. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it's always good to bring out some Saints gear. Uh, first game uh, in the Superdome this season. Uh, so I know a lot of people are excited about that. I know I am. So looking forward to watching it, man. Looking forward to watching the game. Not really so, so much uh, looking at a, a win or, you know, a win or anything like that. I just want to see some execution. When you start to get in a regular season, that's when, you know, we start to care more about wins. But 
I'm more in a, in, in a realm of execution. You know, if they lose and they, they execute it well, I mean, that's fine. You know, because when you look at like the first two or three quarters, okay, I, I measure preseason like the first two quarters, okay, because the third and fourth quarter, you just got a bunch of guys that I feel like are long shots. But those first two quarters, when I see the Saints really making some plays and executing really well, that's when I really start to really focus in on. I'm not so much focused on the third and the fourth quarter because those guys are trying to make the team and execution is extremely sloppy because, I mean, these are third or fourth four string guys. So um, when you look at the first couple quarters of, you know, preseason, you know, that's when I'm really based in, you know, my evaluations on. Uh, Kevin White, Jawan Johnson, and Jalen Dalton are my top three. Uh, we need a Traquan Smith replacement for when he gets injured again. Um, yeah, I mean, look, Traquan Smith, he's always, I don't want to say he's always injured, but uh, he, he does have his fair share of injuries. And, you know, he's a guy that we count on because he's been in the system for quite some time. But, you know, I mean, he has shown that he's not as available as, as he should be. And uh, you need some guys that's going to be able to step up. And I'm glad we see flashes from Jawan Johnson. Uh, we've seen uh, flashes from Marquez Callaway because we're going to need those type of guys in order to step up. And we're also going to need another performance out of Lil Jordan Humphreys. We're going to need a better performance. We're going to need better ball security. Uh, he had opportunity last week to make some plays, and he was dropping passes, man. He even had a ball bounce off his chest for an interception. So Lil Jordan Humphrey has to work on his hands. And uh, he needs to work on his physicality, man, because you're, you're too big to not be able to win some of those 50-50 balls that's out there. And, uh, you know, I'm looking at Deontay Harris and stuff like that, but we don't know. I mean, he's probably not going to start the season. He's probably going to start off on, with a suspension uh, for the DUI that he had earlier in the season. So I'm looking for some of these other guys to step up. And if you can finally get the potential that a lot of people thought that Kevin White had back in 2015, if you can get that – in 2021 i'm pretty sure no saints fan to be upset about that so i'm just looking for some guys to step up you know i, I was looking at uh after further review and matt muscona shouts out to my guy matt um he made a good point he said for the exception of maybe like three wide receivers are you sure that uh you you have your full roster of wide receivers and the answer is no i mean for the exception of callaway michael thomas uh deontay harris uh, who else can you say? Traquan Smith, I guess you can add him in that. But, you know, Mike, Michael Thomas is going to start the season on IR. And, you know what I'm saying, you're probably going to not going to have Deontay Harris. So, you know, there's some guys out here that can possibly make this team and actually get some starting snaps. So if a guy like Kevin White can come in and make some plays, who's not to say that he might not, I mean, end up uh, in the starting rotation when the regular season starts? And if my, if Kevin White can be half of what people thought he was going to be, I mean, this would be something special, man. TJ, I'd I like to see Jameis play the entire first quarter and possibly the second as well. How is Peyton going to base the starter on a one or two series? Let the man play more. Well, I think that they're probably going to let him play a quarter. Uh, you got to be careful, though, Tex. I understand about this whole quarterback competition and we want to get this uh, situation resolved, especially going into the regular season, but you don't want to go out here and, and get a guy hurt. You know what I'm saying? So you want to minimize these guys snaps. You want to be able to, to uh, call plays where you can actually see 
uh them execute certain plays okay so i'm i'm for like having them out here uh for an extended amount of time but i don't want to see any guy go out there and and be susceptible to getting hurt you know but i just think if you combine practice and some of the, the series that we've seen in uh you know in preseason i think you can get a, a good sample size of who can do what and how you know how you're executing uh don't harris get hurt a lot too uh yeah i mean look he's a, he's on the smaller side you know on the smaller side so of course a guy like that is going to get hurt i mean he's going to have his fair share of injuries i mean when you're like five six five seven 180 pounds and somebody's smacking into you that's about six five 240 you're going to have your fair share of injuries okay so yeah he does get hurt i mean but for the most part when he's out there he makes a huge difference uh finna take my kiddos to the dentist well 985 live good good luck with that man hopefully they you know have a clean bill of health when it comes to the to the dental uh james said uh, james winning this job tonight well look if, if he goes out there and he performs well and he and he really puts his best foot forward he has some good solid series i, I think he will win the starting job and i think it's about that time you know i think this this particular uh game is going to really decide who is going to be the starter because i don't expect any of these guys that are going to be playing in the regular season to start or be in a game next week you're probably going to have somebody like ian book and trevor simeon uh finish up uh preseason so this is probably going to be the deciding factor who is going to be the starter between Taysom and james uh i lost my cousin last week well i'm sorry to hear that nikayla uh you know may your cousin rest in peace and uh, my prayers uh, go out to your family. You know, hopefully, uh, you know, you guys are uh, rallying around each other uh, during this tough time. I'm looking for a positive uh, defense consistency. I, I think that's what everybody's looking for, too. You know, if the defense can step up, it, it allows the offense to be able to figure itself out. Uh, we really don't know what our identity is on offense this season. I mean, for the first time in 15 years, the Saints will be without Drew Brees. And we know that the identity of the Saints was to air the ball out because they had a really great quarterback, all right? But we don't know what the identity is. We don't know if they're going to be more of a, a, a run offense or are they going to be more of an explosive down the field type offense this season. I know they put a lot of emphasis in the classroom for mini camp. Uh, there's a lot of plays that, that uh, Sean is installing that wasn't a part of the playbook last season due to the fact of uh, – uh, Taysom and Jameis's skill set so we are looking at something that's completely different this season and I'm looking forward to it man it, it's it's very rare that we go into the season with so many unanswered questions about the Saints mostly our questions are about can the Saints get over the hump in a postseason now we go from that to can the Saints make it to the postseason with this team do the Saints have the quarterback of the future can the Saints actually make the playoffs can these quarterbacks execute i mean there's so many unanswered questions and we're normally not asking these type of questions uh about the new orleans saints especially like when it comes to the quarterback position and offensive efficiency no doubt about that uh, i hope Devonte freeman bounces back this week uh yeah but you know the more i look at it the more i just think that it's going to be a long shot for him to make the team uh, i think when you look at guys like tony jones who really applied themselves in the offseason uh you know built their body up uh you know much better uh working on some of the little things that it, it takes to be a much better running back you look at his youth his size his speed 
uh, his, his his vision. And you have to say that Devontae Freeman is looking like the odd man out. And, uh, you know, you look at somebody like Latavius Murray. Latavius is going to make this team. I don't put too much stock into that fumble last week. The Saints know that Latavius Murray is a good football player. And if you combine Tony Jones in there, Devontae, excuse me, Devontae Freeman might be the odd man out. Phillips says, hey, TJ, this Philly Phil out of New Orleans, not looking for a uh, will, not looking for a will, just looking for them to play uh, a little better than last week. Who that? I guess uh, Phillips is saying a win. Yeah, I agree, man. I just want to see them play better. You know, in preseason, to me, it's more about executing and, and, and doing a good job and taking advantage of your snaps. Uh, that, that's what you mostly look for. You know, I don't really care about the wins or the losses and stuff like that. I care about that stuff when it comes to the regular season. Those are when the wins and stuff like that matter. And even though you might be playing ugly, it's more important to get the win and fix the ugly situations than to actually lose and play ugly. You know, so I'm just looking for execution. I'm looking for situational football and guys executing uh, during those situations. That's that's what I'm looking for. Uh, RJ says, what up, TJ? Looking to see who's going to step up and set themselves apart from the pack. Should be awesome today. I'm rooting for Kevin White. Who that? Yeah, RJ, you know, I was one of those people, you know, when I first heard about the Saints signing uh, Kevin White, you know, I didn't really look at it like it was a big deal. Uh, you know, I just looked at this guy as being a China doll. I'm just being serious. A guy that I felt, you know, was a little bit, you know, I don't want to call him soft, but, you know what I'm saying, just was plagued with injuries. So how excited can you be about a guy that you don't know for a fact is going to be on the field? But after an interview, you know, I found myself rooting for the guy, you know, and made me feel bad about the take that I had about him. You know, I mean, I don't take back uh, some of the things that I said. I mean, I was a little bit harsh, maybe in the delivery, but the things that I felt like I said were true. I mean, the guy had loads of potential. He was a seven pick overall and he couldn't see the field. But, you know, to me, <laughs> the Saints, this, this would be, this would be crazy, right? What if the New Orleans Saints, think about this, right? The Saints in I want to say, what, 2015, Jameis Winston was the first pick overall, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. And Kevin White was the seventh pick overall. So you can actually have two guys in the top ten to be on your team. And if you can actually get that potential out of these guys, like what if Jameis like, plays like the, the, the first pick overall that Tampa thought that they were going to get with him, and then you have Kevin White. What if he plays like that seventh pick? that the Bears thought that he was going to be. I mean, that would be some great steals, right? You actually have a first first overall pick and a seventh overall pick on your team. And if it can pan out, man, you're talking about a steal. You know, so, I mean, I'm, I'm just looking at it like back, back to what I was saying. You know, I'm just rooting for Kevin White. Hopefully he can have a clean bill of health you know, so he can live his life and not have those what ifs, this would have happened. Um, he said it himself, man. I mean, the dude made about $16, $17 million coming into the league. So he already said it's not about money. It's about wanting to go out here and prove that he can do it. And I'm rooting for him, man. I'm rooting for him. Anybody that goes out there and, you know, tries to follow their dreams, you know, I I, I love, you know what I'm saying, the roof of guys like that. Uh, Renard says, love your content. Keep up the good work, TJ. Renard, thank you very much. Uh, appreciate you being here. And uh, thank you, man, for the, those kind words. TJ, what do you think will happen with Jameis Winston if he is not declared the starter? Uh, if he's not declared the starter, I can see him uh, not re-signing with the New Orleans Saints next season, maybe going out here uh, competing for another position. 
Um, I mean, not another position, but another quarterback uh, starting job, you know. But, you know, I mean, these these jobs are few and far in between, man. And, and honestly, when you start to get deep into your career and team, you go to different teams, you find yourself realizing that teams aren't really fully investing in you uh, like they once did. Like, teams are looking for that next guy. Right. So you might sign with another team, but they might end up trying to get a young, you know, a young quarterback that they can actually mold into that system's image. So you might find yourself being on the outside looking in and it might not be because you you have a certain skill set. And, you know, it may be just because that team is trying to go in a different direction. And even if you do become the starter, you're going to be on the shortest of short leashes, because if you a team drafts a young quarterback early, Trust me, that fan base is going to be looking to see that young quarterback play. So any mistake that you make is going to be amplified. If you throw an interception, if you overthrow a guy, people are going to be, man, why they don't put this other quarterback in? So this is opportunity right now. You know, nobody is for the exception of maybe a few people. Nobody is really expecting Ian Book to emerge to be that starting quarterback. So you're in a really good position. So I just feel like if Jameis doesn't get the job done this season, Taysom doesn't get the job done, the Saints are probably going to be looking at, at the draft next season to try to find somebody that they can actually build up. So to me, this is, might be you know his last opportunity to really legitimately get a starting quarterback position where a team is going to really try to do everything they possibly can to put you in a position to succeed. Okay, this this is probably your last chance because if you go somewhere else, teams are going to be looking at, well, you didn't make it in Tampa, you didn't make it in New Orleans. What makes us think that you're going to make it here? So we may not, we may need to go out here and draft a guy. You can compete with that guy. And if you win, yeah, you know what I'm saying? But you're on a short leash. That's just the way the NFL works. Man, I hope uh, Rosas uh, can make field goals. If not, we'll be going for it on fourth down and two-point conversions. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, the dude has a big leg. He was hitting it from 50-plus yards in practice. Uh, you know, I mean, he's been a relatively successful uh, kicker. Um, and hopefully he can just give us a little bit of something until Will Lutz come back. I want to see Zach Bond cut up. Uh, he can be a beast for us this year. Yeah, I hope so. You know, I think that, you know, we didn't give Zach Bond a fair shake. I think just because uh, he was playing mostly on special teams last year and a lot of us are wondering why was he spending his entire rookie season on special teams. But now this guy has a, a real legit offseason under his belt. He was able to uh, train with other guys like TJ and JJ Watt. Uh, he was able to go out here, take advantage of some of these offseason activities that the NFL allowed teams to have this season. So I think it paid dividends for him. Uh, TJ, who do you like more, Ian or Trevor? Um, I honestly, I don't, I don't know how to answer that question. You know, I like Ian Book. I like a, uh, some things that Ian Book does well. I think he has good timing. I think he has good poise, and he shows good leadership for a guy his age, and especially being this young in the league. A guy like Trevor Simeon, I mean, if you put him in the right system, he, he he's a, you know, he's a steady guy. You know, he reminds me of Joe Flacco. You know, he's not a guy that's going to wow you by any means, but uh, he he can execute if you need him to in emergency situations. Neither one of these guys are ready for prime time. If you ask me, 
I think they can win you a game if you need them to come in and somebody is hurt, but consistently win you football games. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. But if I had to pick out an Ian Book and Trevor Simeon, I feel like you can do more with Ian Book because uh, right now Ian Book is, you know, a book with blank pages. You know what I'm saying? You can actually, you know, put him and mold him the way that you want. But when you look at somebody like Trevor Simeon, I mean, he's been with the Saints for the last couple of years. Uh, but I think that, you know, you, what you see is what you get right now from Trevor Simeon. So if I was, you know, if it was me, I would choose Ian over Trevor Simeon. But both of these guys, in my opinion, aren't the quarterback that you're looking for to lead your team at this particular time. And if they're actually on the field, uh, you might be in trouble at the quarterback position long term. Like one one or two games, I feel like you can implement a system and an offensive game plan to win with these guys. But if you're asking these guys to go out here 10, 11 games, I, I can't see these guys actually helping you uh, win consistently to a point where you actually have a playoff uh, a playoff appearance uh, in your future. Uh, Phillip says, hey, TJ, Philly Phil, just looking forward to see a good game. Go Saints. Yeah, I mean, I just want to see good execution. You know, I don't think you're going to see a good game in preseason because I don't think there's no such thing. I mean, I haven't seen a good preseason game in years. OK, I mean. A lot of sloppy play, uh, you know, first half it looks like NFL game, second half it looked like the XFL. Uh, I mean, I'm just being serious. Sloppy football in the second half and make you want to turn your TV off. And even last week, you know, the only reason why I watched the game from start to finish was because I know the post-game show was coming up next, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, you know, I mean, it, it was sloppy, man. So I, I don't expect a, a good, solid football performance in preseason but i'm just expecting some execution uh during the time when i, I you know certain guys are out there that's what that's what i want to see uh tyrell says what up tj is saints game day ready to see how the team develop and hopefully they take care of the football jameson Taysom gonna be under the microscope uh yeah they're always under the microscope because that's the way saints fans think these days uh that's the way that they roll um that's the way uh you know saying they 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 like to, you know, do things. That's the way that they handle up on their business. You know what I'm saying? Like Saints fans, they just, for some apparent reason, you know, like they, they are comparing these guys to Drew Brees and everything that these guys do rather is an overthrown pass or, or an interception is amplified. And, uh, you know, it's as if, you know, Drew Brees never threw an interception or Drew Brees never fumbled the football or, you know, like these guys are going to make mistakes. And I just think that the worst thing that a Saints fan can do is to, judge these guys based on drew Brees' performance because these guys aren't drew Brees. and if you're looking for any one of these guys to be drew Brees, you're wasting your time and you have saint fans out there that will want to go toe-to-toe with me for saying that but it's true you know and you know if you think that these guys are going to be drew Brees, or you think these guys are going to think like drew Brees, you're sadly mistaken but you do want to see good execution more times than not uh you know you want to see these guys uh be better than they were every single week and if you can actually take one or two steps forward each time that you hit the field, I think the Saints will be just fine. You know, people act as if, you know, Drew Brees had a Patrick Mahomes arm and, you know what I'm saying, he was just out there, you know what I'm saying, wheeling and dealing, throw for four, 500 yards every single game, every single every single game the Saints played. Drew Brees had some bad games as well. Drew Brees uh, then played lights out every single game as well. He gave you great efficiency and he put your mind at ease, but – there were some mistakes that were in between. So guys are going to make some mistakes and I don't feel like it should be amplified just because the story of Drew Brees in the Saints uniform has been written and these guys haven't. 
it's easy for us to say, oh, the book was good after we finished. But sometimes we're not remembering when we're if we're on a 300 page book, sometimes we're not looking at page 50. You know what I'm saying? Like we just remember the last page and how good the book was. But there was some ups and some downs in the career of Drew Brees. And there were some times where we were frustrated as fans when it came to Drew Brees as well. But, you know, sometimes we forget those things because Drew Brees gave us more positive moments than negative. And once again, the Drew Brees story is over. But I just think that we need to give these guys an opportunity to figure it out and not take don't don't just, you know, just I guess not just, you know, critique these guys on every little thing. I would say. I don't think that would be a good idea. I just think that we just need to let these guys kind of go through the motions. Uh, Hoodie says, if Sean can change and make Breeze great, I believe he can do the same with Winston. Uh, If you compare Drew and Jameis' first five seasons, they're almost the same. Jameis had a better first five seasons than Drew. Look, I mean, look, it is a combination of things. And, you know, I'm not going to sit up here and disrespect Drew Breeze and say, oh, man, you know, Sean Payton just – took a lowly Drew Brees that wasn't really good at being a quarterback and made him a great quarterback. That's not true. You know, any great quarterback coach combination, there had to be a level of greatness inside of that quarterback in order for that coach to pull it out. I don't care how good you are. If you don't have those intangibles, if you don't have that, that, that knowledge or that willing willingness to learn, you're not going to be a good quarterback in the national football league. It was just a good combination. You know, it's almost like, you know, like a a good group, right? You know what I'm saying? You think about, you know, the temptations, right? You think about, you know, Eddie Hendricks and and David Ruffin, you know what I'm saying? Those were the lead singers. But then you had like, you know, the bass guy like Melvin Franklin and, you know, the baritone guy in the back like Otis Williams and all these guys collectively made a really good group and they made really good music together, you know? So it it has to be a combination of things in order for it to work. Like, so if Jameis Winston has the skill set and he and he want, has the want to, you know what I'm saying? Like the want to attitude combined with the, the, the toolage of Sean Payton, then he can be successful. But it has to be a great combination. Drew Brees was a really good quarterback, but you know what I'm saying? Maybe the system that Marty Schottenheim was actually running out in San Diego wasn't a really good fit for him. Because if you follow Marty Schottenheim, Marty, Marty Schottenheim was – mostly a uh, a run run the football type coach and setting up the play action getting the ball downfield vertically might most likely to your tight ends and and that wide receiver so with Sean Payton he had like all these different types of schemes and had all these different type of players that can do things that scheme guys open and if you had a level of accuracy like Drew I mean you're finding guys wide open all over the field and not to mention I mean Drew Brees was a student of the game Drew Brees was an incredibly smart football player you know, on and off the field. I want to say that Drew Brees had like a 4.0 GPA coming out of Purdue. You know, I mean, he was a very bright football player. So you, it has to be a combination of things. You know, like it, I, it can't be like to me, if it was somebody like Jeff George or Drew Bledsoe or a Kyle Bowler or, or even like a Jamarcus Russell, I don't think you'll have that same level of success. But all these guys that I just named had extremely great arm talent. But it took a little bit of extra in order for them to get to that point, and they never did, okay? Even when coaches tried to come up with game plans that favored their skill set, it still wasn't successful. So 
I just think that Sean Payton and Drew Brees would they were just a match made in heaven because uh you had Sean Payton that was out here call, calling the plays and you had Drew Brees who was uh, I mean basically a, a surgeon out there so good combination no matter what happened book is here to stay because when Payton looked at him he sees uh visions of Drew dancing in his head uh I maybe you know what I'm saying maybe he does see that I don't think that it's a coincidence that he drafted him. I don't think it's because he's like Drew Brees because, I mean, I don't see it. I don't see Ian Book. Ian Book does not remind me of Drew Brees. I don't see – the only thing people can say is his height and a bird mark underneath his eye, okay? That's probably the only uh, comparison, you know, that they have. Like, his his delivery is not like Drew. His instincts aren't like Drew. Um, His timing isn't like Drew. Not at this stage, you know what I'm saying? So – it, it, when I look at Ian Book, Ian Book reminds me at this stage, he reminds me of Jeff Garcia. That's what he reminds me of. Like a good, solid player that can win you some games probably in the future, but eventually nobody really is going to want to commit to him. Now, he could change the narrative of what I say about him, but he reminds me of Jeff Garcia as a quarterback. I, I see like I see a Jeff Garcia type trajectory, and that's not a bad thing because if you follow the 49ers in the late 90s. Jeff Garcia had some had a decent run, you know. He had a decent run, led the 49ers to a couple of playoff appearances. Uh I don't I don't know if he won MVP, but he was in the MVP running. So, he had a he had a good solid career, man. Nah, uh I would let everyone get their feet wet. Not saying AK should play a whole quarter, but it would be nice if he got used uh to that speed before the regular season. But hey, I'm just a fan. I don't think uh I don't think Alvin Kamara should play. I think Alvin Kamara, I mean, it's the, what you see is what you get. I mean, Alvin Kamara, to me, is too valuable to this team uh, for somebody to roll over his ankle. And, I mean, come on, man. Like, let these other guys play. We know what Alvin Kamara can do. We know what he's going to do in the regular season. I don't think he has anything to prove. And, once again, he's too valuable to this team for us to be around this thing, you know, trying to execute a – a halfback dive or a halfback toss with Alvin Kamara, and then the next day you know somebody rolled up over his ankle or something like that. He, man, some people, some players, man, I, I just don't want to see play. Cam Jordan don't need to play. Teron Armstead don't need to play. Ramchek don't need to play. Kamara don't need to play. Some like these guys, like man, come on, man. Like these guys are probably, you know, what I'm saying they 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 about as steady as steady can be. So I don't need to see these guys play. But that's just me. Uh, Wines, thank you very much for 499. Says if Jameis and Taysom don't separate, wouldn't that be uh concerning for Jameis? A former first overall pick can't separate from an undrafted quarterback. Uh, you know, that's not always the case, man. Um we can't just say just because a guy's draft position and just automatically just means that he's gonna excel in the league over another guy. You know, I mean, that's not always the case. You have guys that are undrafted players, but they come in and they have a strong work ethic. And they go out there and they they become a little bit better. They, you know, get 5% better every single time. So just because, you know, he's competing, that, that's, not a, that's not a knock on Jameis. That's a testament to Taysom. Uh, I think that it, even us not really understanding or knowing who the starter is going to be and it's, it's not that much separation, I think that's a testament to Taysom and how hard he worked in the offseason on his uh, quarterback mechanics to make this thing competitive because – even as a as a fan, even the biggest fan probably thought to themselves, 
that Jameis was just going to run away with this because he's more of a natural, a natural fit for a quarterback. Or it could just be one of those things where we know that the New Orleans Saints uh, like to keep things in house. So maybe there's a maybe the Saints already know what direction they're going to go in. Maybe they already know who's going to be the starting quarterback. They probably just haven't uh, released that just yet. See, us as fans, sometimes we feel like if it's not in the news, then that means that it didn't happen. There's so many things that happen behind the scenes that we as fans don't know about. And it does frustrate us as fans because we want to know every little thing that's going on with the team. We're wondering to ourselves why Traquan Smith isn't practicing. Why is he not at practice? Why is he not going out here and, and performing? Uh, what's really going on? Is the injury as bad as, as they're trying to make it out to be? So we don't like to be left in the dark, but that doesn't mean that the Saints don't already have a plan. Anthony says, cool. Klaus says, Ravens fan here wishing Saints luck, man. Good luck to you all as well. Good game. Good solid organization over there, man. I've, I've, I've said this last week. I got so much respect uh, for the Baltimore Ravens uh, organization. They do a really good job year after year uh, getting guys. And they, they, they end up like drafting guys and signing guys who go on to really have good productive careers. I mean, you think about Will Lutz, right? Will Lutz started off with the Baltimore Ravens organization, but he got beat out by Justin Tucker. And now look at Will Lutz. He's he's one of the biggest secret weapons we have on the team, you know, when he's when he's healthy. So, I mean, the Baltimore Ravens, they always find like these diamonds in the rough. And if it doesn't work out with their organization, if they're full when it comes to a roster, the, one of these guys can always go to another team and be productive, rather it be a part of a defensive rotation on somebody's special teams. So that's just a testament to the Baltimore Ravens. I think that a lot of teams out there wish they could follow the blueprint that of a Baltimore Ravens organization. Ozzie Newsom, when he was over player operations, did an outstanding job uh, drafting guys. Hall of Famers left and right. And um, that, that organization is set up for a bunch of success with Lamar Jackson and, and that defense, man. So top-notch organization. I think a lot of people need to follow in their footprints. No doubt about that. Uh, it's Jay says, so why all the hate on Jameis and not particularly on the coach and Jameis? Seem like people just bashing Jameis for bull job reasons. Well, you know, that's because of what the media tells them. You know, like the media for years has been telling people that Jameis Winston is a train wreck. And uh, I mean, we know that people follow the media, you know, and, and some people, uh, I'm sorry, but they're sheep. You know, anything the media tells them, they fall for it. You know, hook, line and sinker. They go back and they tell you and they argue these points as if they came to these conclusions on their own. You know, uh, instead of you looking at and doing the research, which a lot of people do not do, uh, they go out here and they try to find uh, all these different things to make themselves sound credible in front of their friends or at your local bar. But if you peel, pull back the, you know, saying a curtain and realize, uh, you know, and look at it, evaluate Jameis Winston's uh, a career. Uh, you'll realize he's not as bad as anybody say he is. It's hard for me to sit up here and just bash somebody like Jameis Winston and the NFL is telling you to give somebody like Sam Darnold a chance or give somebody like Kirk Cousins a chance or give somebody like Jimmy Garoppolo a chance. I think that Jameis Winston is better than all those guys. They're quick to throw up, uh, you know, 30 for 30 in your face and stuff like that. Oh, he threw 30 interceptions, so therefore he's terrible. But they won't look at guys like Brett Farr. They won't look at guys like Peyton Manning. If everybody was looking at guys like this, right, 
they will say, oh, man, you know what I'm saying? Peyton Manning is going to be a bona fide bust because he threw 28 interceptions, right? That's what they'll tell you. Or Brad Favre, you know what I'm saying? Brad Favre is not going to be a Hall of Famer because he threw 20-plus interceptions. But teams don't look at – I mean, players don't – you know, players shouldn't be evaluated like this. You can't, like, say one thing for one player and then do it for another because, what, to me, that seems like you have an agenda. And I just think that it's just how Jameis is. You know, people just like laughing at him. You know what I'm saying? Like they, because, you know, one thing you can say about Jameis Winston, he doesn't take himself so serious. Like some people take themselves too serious. And when people are starting to laugh at you and make fun of you and all that kind of stuff, it starts to get to him. But with Jameis, I mean, he embraces who he is, man. He doesn't care about those funny faces that he making or, or putting himself in a position to look foolish, you know, because, this is a guy that's extremely confident. And I just feel like if some guys, if they would do some of the things that the media is doing to Jameis Winston, they'll probably fold like a cheap tent, you know, but Jameis is willing to embrace what people are saying about him. You know, he, he said it you know, at one of those uh, quarterback camps that he had. He said, I went from being the first overall pick to everybody laughing at me. For somebody to come to that conclusion and say it to themselves, like, man, you know, people looking at me like I'm a laughing stock. Some people don't want to look at it that way. Some people won't look at it that way. They'll look at it like, oh, it's not me, it's them. But Jameis is willing to embrace that. And that's something that I have an appreciation for. Guys that don't take themselves so serious. And I think that we all can learn from that. Because sometimes we take ourselves so serious, man, as, as guys. You know what I'm saying? As men. I'm talking to my men right now. You know, we take ourselves way too serious, man. Like, we want to be the coolest thing walking. You know what I'm saying? We want to make sure, like, if we're approaching that girl and stuff like that, we want to make sure that she never catch us slipping. Or, you know what I'm saying? We want to act like this thing is not a big deal. You know, but I just feel like that's not going to get you anywhere. Embracing who you are as a person is, is what's going to get you somewhere. Because if you're not, then you're going to have to put up this whole facade for years to come, right? You're going to have to continue uh to not allow those things to get to you let it rub off your chest but if you really fully embrace who you are it doesn't it doesn't matter what anybody says about you the only thing that matters is what you think about yourself and that's one thing i have an appreciation for when it comes to james winston that he's not allowing the media with their with their narrative to define who he is as a person so shouts out to james winston in that regard t smitty 3000 thank you very much for the five dollars says bucks fan here Sad the media don't believe Jameis can improve under Peyton. Baker Mayfield threw 21 interceptions in 2019. He threw eight in 2020 under a new coach. Yeah, Kevin Stefanski really did a good job with Baker Mayfield. And, and, and coaching does matter, T. Smitty. It, it really does. Uh, players matter along with coaches. Uh, you look at somebody like Bruce Arians, in, in your case, you know, with, with Tom Brady. You're right. It was just a good combination. Tom Brady is a master at uh, throwing a football, playing a quarterback position. Bruce Arians has done a really good job over the past couple of years throughout his career uh, getting the best out of quarterbacks. So you combine that, it's a recipe for success. Kevin Stefanski uh, with, with Baker Mayfield. And I don't feel like it would be any different with Jameis Winston and, and Sean Payton. Debo finna get a pick. Uh, I, I can believe that. I can believe it. I can believe that. I mean, I think it's coming. You know, if it don't happen in preseason, if it happened in regular season, I'd be excited about that <laughs> just as much. Uh, RJ Mount, thank you very much for the $5. Said Jameis, read and react, read and react. Progressions and quick response will calm your critics. I am uh, right about TJ. 
Uh, who that? Uh, yeah. Um, if I'm if I'm reading this uh correctly, yeah. I mean, if he just goes through his progressions and he takes his time and he takes what the defense give him and he don't try to you know try to get everything on one play, I think he'll be just fine. You know, it's, I don't think the things that are going on with Jameis it, it, it can't be corrected. Uh, I, I feel like you can correct some of the things that are going on with Jameis, and I think it has a lot to do with him trying to make the plays. I mean, it's just the expectations. I mean, when you're the first overall pick, everybody's expecting you to be the guy. They're expecting you to lead the franchise to higher heights. And, um, you know, you find yourself being under this immense pressure, you know, and I just think that a lot of that pressure caused Jameis to make some of the plays that he made because he was just trying to prove to everybody that he was worth that first overall pick. But now it's like, okay, nobody's really expecting you to be the savior of a franchise. The Saints have been a successful franchise for the last four years. They've been winning football games. Nobody's expecting Jameis Winston to come and change the misfortunes of the New Orleans Saints. The Saints have been up there with some of the top teams in the league. I mean, they beat the Super Bowl champions twice in a regular season last year, right? You know what I'm saying? So it's not like the Saints can't win against big-time big teams or they can't win in big-time situations. They have the team in order to win. What Jameis Winston has to do is just do his job. And I feel like that that pressure that he had at being the number one overall pick, I feel like that pressure is going to be alleviated because nobody's expecting you to go out there and, and turn around a struggling franchise. This is a winning franchise that you came to. So as long as you go out there and you execute and you do a good job and you read through your progressions, and if the player's not there, be willing to take a sack, be willing to throw the ball away, be willing to throw the football at the knees of the running back, you'll be just fine. Um, I don't expect for Jameis Winston to throw 30 interceptions. I don't even expect for him to throw 20 interceptions. Now, about 15 or 16, I feel like that's in a realm of being okay. You know, everybody's not going to throw single-digit interceptions. I mean, I mean that's just what it is. I mean, the 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 league amplifies guys, you know, because, of course, you know, they, they mostly talk about the MVP running. And when you start talking about the MVP running when it comes to quarterbacks, I mean, of course, they're going to be looking at the guy with single-digit interceptions and if you're looking at that guy, that guy becomes the standard. So if that guy has five to six interceptions, you're wondering to yourself why my quarterback can't get five to six interceptions. But it's all about execution. And some quarterbacks are just built differently. You know, some quarterbacks can make those throws, can anticipate that, can see those guys, can see the play happen before it happens. In it, and it leads to a bunch of touchdowns and very little mistakes. But if a guy just goes out there and he just so happens to get double-digit interceptions and, and, and yet you're still winning football games, that's fine. Because the Saints won football games when, when Drew Brees had double-digit interceptions in the season and they still made the playoffs. So it's not always about, oh, you know what I'm saying, throwing single-digit interceptions. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes it's just about making plays. And also in the process, things are going to happen. You have guys on the opposite side of, of the field, guys on the, uh, the team's uh, the opposite team's defense these guys are getting paid to make plays as well and sometimes those guys are going to make some good plays and sometimes this, uh, fumbles are going to occur and sometimes some interceptions are going to happen some guys are going to jump some routes sometimes some things are going to bounce up in the air mistakes do happen so but as long as he goes out there and he executes he does his job he's not so focused on trying to be the savior he'll be just fine he'll be just fine that that's what that's what the saints need the saints don't need a savior the Saints just need somebody that that can execute. 
It's Jay says hit that like button, Chad. I agree, man. If you like the State of the Saints podcast, please hit the like button. I really appreciate that. Good point, T. Smitty 3000. Also, I feel the media is going to crucify Winston uh, on every little thing, especially in the substance, which they all can do. Yeah, but that's the thing. That's the narrative, right? That's that's the narrative. You know, and, and, and if you're not careful, that's, that's what they do. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I just feel like this. I, I look at Mark Sanchez. Now, some people look at Mark Sanchez and they're like, oh, man, this dude was a failure. Mark Sanchez, in the first couple of years of his NFL career, he led the Jets to the AFC Championship. Now, you can say, oh, man, Curtis Martin was there. Yeah, okay, fine. You got me. They had a really good potent running game and a really good defense. But at the same time, he still made some plays. But when you start thinking about Mark Sanchez, everybody think about that butt fumble. And it was something, no matter what happened, no matter who Mark Sanchez signed with, they were going to pull up that butt fumble. You know, that that's just what it is. And all of a sudden, like now, it's like every time Mark Sanchez come on TV, butt fumble, butt fumble, butt fumble. So when the media starts to make their rounds, it's like, okay, this guy is known for that, right? You know what I'm saying? And now it's like nobody can really take this guy serious because people just turn this dude into a joke. And I feel like it's kind of like the same way with Jameis Winston. Like people are trying to turn this guy into a joke. Like when he goes on TV, and I, I've seen this. It's like when he has an interview, right? We we look at these interviews he does with the Saints. When he puts himself up there in high regards as a, as a good quarterback and he feels like he's a, a really good quarterback and he should be mentioned, you know, as a great quarterback, people laugh and scoff at it as if this dude is supposed to sit up here and say, oh, I'm terrible, right? They, they laugh at it like, oh, man, who he think he is? And they try to put this narrative out here like this dude is straight up delusional. But a team will cut you. If a coach asks you, who's the best cornerback on the team, and you don't say me, right? Like, who, who else are you supposed to say? If you're a football player, the one thing you're supposed to have is confidence. You don't both, even if you feel like this guy in the back of your mind is, is a much better player than you, you should never say it out loud. Never. And honestly, you should never even think that. But if you just so happen to do so, you should never say it out loud. So what do they expect this dude to say? That, that's all I'm saying. So, I mean, it, it seems like to me like they're trying to turn this dude into a comedy act. You know what I'm saying? And, and everything that he do, you know, like like I said, people just look at it like it's a joke. And then when he, when he does interviews talking about how good he feels he is, people still turn it into a joke. But a lot of people are going to have hushed mouths if he goes out there and he performs and he wins some football games. I mean, that's the way that you, you quiet the critics. Because... You know, the media sometimes they they have their their certain they have their agendas. They know who they want to put up here. They know who they want to put down here, and they know you know what I'm saying who they don't want to ever elevate. Right? That's just the way that it is. Oppy Ripnam says, "Does AK inability to fart on impact concern you?" Uh, no, not at all. Uh, as long as uh he bounces off those impact tackles, you know what I'm saying. I, I think he should be fine. Yes, indeed. Preach, TJ. Preach. Yeah, man, look, we we all know what's going on with the narrative. You know, we all know what's going on with the narrative. And Winston has a Pro Bowl type year. Do you believe he could be considered for a Saints quarterback for the next two to three years? Absolutely, Josh. And shout out to my my guy, Josh, man, fellow Jackson State Tiger, man. We went to college together. Hope you're doing okay, brother. But um, 
Yeah, you know what I'm saying? I think that he's playing for a contract. So if if Jameis comes out here and he has a really good had a really good year, yeah, you know what I'm saying? I can see the Saints signing him to a two or three year deal, you know, and, and I can see him, you know, being a, a quarterback long term. Like this is a I mean, this is a defining moment for Jameis Winston. It really is. Uh, we only see 30 interceptions. Yeah, you only see 30 interceptions because that's what everybody comes up with. You know, that's what everybody says. And I just have a problem with with the I have a problem with people just feeling like guys can't resurrect their career. Like I just don't understand that. Like guys can get better. It just seems like to me, like and when it comes to players in the NFL, it seems like NFL is like the only sport that you can watch that if a guy has a bad year or he starts off mediocre or average, he can never shake that narrative. You in basketball, like you'll look at a guy, you know, he'll probably start off a little slow and then all of a sudden he'll develop into a player and they'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Same thing in baseball, same thing in hockey. Like you see guys probably starting off average and then eventually they'll amplify. They'll give these guys the benefit of the doubt. They'll they'll continue to push that guy and say, oh, he's coming. He's coming. You know what I'm saying? He's he going to be, you know what I'm saying, a part of that, that, that all-star team. You know, but when it comes to football, it's like guys don't get that chance. It's like if a guy has a couple bad games or don't have a solid season, like all of a sudden, like, man, get him up out of here. Let's try to find somebody else. It's like in football, guys can't afford to figure it out, right? It's like if they have a mediocre or down season, People just automatically just think that these guys are hopeless cases, you know, and I don't I don't feel like that's fair, man. I don't, you know, because you have to look at the speed of the game. You got to look at how guys are wired. You got to look at guys figuring things out. You have probably have guys that probably have to change their training regimen. You probably need guys that need to work on their strength and conditioning. You probably have guys that need to work on their hands. There's all these different situations that these guys have to figure out. And I just don't feel like one or two years should define a guy's entire season or entire career. We need to allow these guys to figure it out because you wind up looking at one of those situations where a guy goes to another team and he plays really, you know what I'm saying, like really good. Like you think about uh, Nikovic, right? The Saints drafted uh, Nikovic back, you know what I'm saying, in 2006. And he ends up going, leaving the Saints, going to the Patriots, and arguably becoming one of the best offensive tackles that the, the, the Patriots ever had, right? But if the Saints probably would have stuck with him, they probably would have had that same type of production out of Nikovic when he got drafted, right? So it's not always the telling story the first couple games or the first season of a player. Sometimes you got to allow that player to go through the motions, right? You know? Like, I think about, like, C.J. Gardner-Johnson's first year, right? C.J. Gardner-Johnson, you know, he had an up-and-down rookie season. But I think one play in particular was that fourth down play when they played the 49ers, and he gave up that play to George Kittle. And, you know, I can remember, like, the next day, you know, the media was talking about him giving up the play, and he was like, man, I'm young. He was like, man, look, I'm young. I'm going to make mistakes. It is what it is. And then the next season, we start to see C.J. Gardner-Johnson become much better and become more instinctive. So sometimes you got to give these guys an opportunity to write the narrative, uh, uh, change the narrative of what you think about them. 
And I just feel like it should be the same way with Jameis. You know, it's not always like it's not always going to change. You know, I, I will say that some guys that is what you see is what you get. And it is what it is. Right. But some guys, you know, you put them in a different system, a different circumstance and still a, a different level of confidence in them. You'll find that player becoming a completely different individual. And you'll probably look at yourself like, dang, man, you know what I'm saying? Like, man, I had this guy all wrong. Uh, he should uh, took control of the team when Kawhi went down. I don't know exactly who we're talking about here. You know, we talking about, oh, I guess we're talking about Paul George. Uh, look, man, I think Paul George did a really good job in the postseason. You know what I'm saying? He put up some really good points. And, um, you know, compared to what he did last season uh, when Doc Rivers was here, you know, when people was talking about how he just didn't show up in the postseason, can't say he ain't show up in the postseason this past year, okay? I mean, he was – he was averaging a good amount of points. He was averaging about 26, 27 points a game in, in a, a few of those series. So I can't knock him for that. We've seen a much better, uh, you know, Paul George. You know, I don't think Paul George will ever be uh, on that level, which he could have been, you know, before he, like, broke his ankle. I mean, broke his leg. So um, I, I think that he's a decent player. I think if he wouldn't have broken uh, his leg, he probably would have been one of the best defensive players in, in basketball. I mean, the dude was a beast, like, before he really got hurt and he kind of – I don't want to say he kind of lost – well, I, I can say he kind of lost a step um, defensively, but he's still a good offensive weapon. Uh, I hear uh, – but Paul George, to me, was that guy. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, your Robin Wings sound about right. Uh, Stephen A. Uh, reported on Taysom Hill's uh, Phantom $140 million contract and said that the Saints should be starting Hill, giving him that kind of money. Um, man, I, I, I don't know what to say about that, man. I just think that it, it's just a certain level of responsibility we got to have, you know. And I, I just think that just because, you know, some people don't know about that situation and you can get away with it don't mean that you should not put the – whole entire contract into perspective and i don't feel like that's right because you basically left a lot of holes in the in that in order to make the whole competition between Jameis and Taysom sound controversial but if you look at the contract as a saint fan you already know what's up but if you don't follow the saints and you listen to Stephen a smith and how he presented that you know you would think oh man you know what i'm saying like Taysom hill you know Man, he he, you know, he's supposed to be beating them out, you know. So, so true, TJ. Sometimes uh, you need a change of scenery. Sometimes players get comfortable. Yeah, change of scenery, change of coaching. Uh, sometimes guys' uh, morale go down, especially when they feel like their name ain't being called enough. You know. Yeah. What people don't take into account is that quarterback isn't uh, a statistic. What a, uh, what a static uh, position. Uh, let me see is uh, ever evolving learning process or uh, we shouldn't count guys out because they had bad games well look th- this this is why i think about this okay um when it comes to the quarterback position i think that system matters teams matter coaching matters if you go to a bad team but it just so happened that you have a, a innovative coach offensively then you'll be able to weather the storm but I feel like if you go to a team with a mediocre coach, uh, you know what I'm saying, a mediocre offensive coordinator, or you have a coordinator, you keep on changing them in and out, and there's no stability there, I think you're going to fail. And I just think that when 
when we as fans, we find ourselves feeling that if a player is as good as they're saying that he is, he should be able to overcome certain situations. I agree, but in a way I I disagree, okay? Sometimes guys can have a certain skill set and they can win games for you. But it can be exciting. But if you don't put a team around that guy and you don't help this guy develop and build, then most likely they are probably going to hit a, a ceiling really, really early in their career. Because you have to constantly challenge young players. Because I don't care what anybody says. When a, when a quarterback first gets into the league, he's making it off pure athleticism and pure arm talent. The things that he probably did in college, and you combine maybe a few nuances that a coach is telling him uh, to start his career. You know, like, so a lot of that is like, okay, man, I'm just making it on pure talent and athleticism right now. But eventually, year two, teams are going to figure you out. They're going to figure, okay, man, he's just running around. He's playing park ball right now. So if I sit on this route right here, he's going to roll to this side right here and throw the ball this way, and I'm just going to jump in front of it. And that's why you see guys going through growing pains. So to me, coaching matters, scheme matters, uh, organization matters. And if you don't have stability at those positions, then I don't care how good you are, you are going to hit a wall. You rarely see a quarterback that is great consistently, that doesn't have a great a great organization around them. Like, you rarely see that. Like, you'll see guys that have good skill sets, good talent. But, you know what I'm saying, if they don't have a really good organization around them, they're going to end up hitting a the wall. They're going to end up, like, lacking. They're going to probably end up getting their block knocked off if they're a quarterback because you, you didn't put a good offensive line around them. Uh, you're probably going to end up having a lot of turnovers because you're not putting a system in place in order for them to succeed with a balance of running. So all that stuff matters, man. So before we start like, oh, this guy is sorry, oh, he didn't make it here. Sometimes we got to look at where they went and, and, and see if that player, if it was more of the organization is the reason why that player failed or is it just that player in general? Uh, but I want to take this moment to thank the fine folks at Manscaped.com. Uh, thank you to Manscaped.com being the official sponsor of the State of the Saints podcast. And if you go to Manscaped.com, use the promo code State of Saints, you will save 20% off of your purchase. So go to Manscaped.com, use the promo code State of Saints, that's all one word, State of Saints, and you will save 20% off on your purchase. Manscaped is the number one. Uh, user for all men's grooming needs. So 2 million men worldwide use Manscaped for all their below-the-waist needs. And make sure that you use that promo code. I would really appreciate that. Uh, we got a big week here on the State of the Saints podcast, man. Um, this week, uh, we we're, were supposed to have uh, John DeShazer on the show. Uh, he's going to be coming on this week. Um, also going to get my guy, RP3, Richard Parch III from RP3 and Company on 103.7 a game uh, you can find me on there every other friday i'm going to get my buddy on here and um i just confirmed man just confirm i'm excited about this one right here man coming up this week we will have special guest swag goop that's right marcus spears will be on the state of the saints podcast uh i just talked to his representation uh earlier today uh we're setting up a time right now that's that's working within him uh, in his uh, ESPN schedule 
So this week, we're going to have Swagoo, Marcus Spears on the show. We're going to be talking to him about New Orleans Saints football and uh, also getting his take. We know that uh, Swagoo is extremely uh, <laughs> entertaining, and uh, we all know that he's a uh, you know LSU graduate. So nevertheless, man, shouts out to Marcus Spears, man, going to be on the show. Looking forward to that. Shouts out to him, man. Uh, I'm going to read a few more, and then we're going to get up out of here. Steve Young, Kurt Warner, Rich Gannon, Warren Moon, guys who succeeded later yeah i mean and, and all those guys you you look at them, they all went to a, a coach that was you know offensively innovative every last one of those guys okay so it helps when you have the talent and you have a coach that's willing to pull that talent out of you so okay tj booking some major media types <laughs> yeah man look man we i'm excited about it man the show is growing uh, I'm just really excited about, you know, having uh, these guests on the show. Um, you know, RP3, man, a good friend of mine, good, solid guy. love having him on the show. Uh, great energy, uh, just great personality, good human being. John DeShazer, he's been on here, uh, I want to say, three times. So, And also, man, just Marcus Spears, man, getting an opportunity, you know, have Swagoo on here. I'm excited about that as well. So I keep you all posted, let you all know what day those individuals going to come on. Uh, I got to reach out to a few of them to confirm some dates and some times, but uh, they're going to be on the show this week, man. Excited about that. Uh, the the best Tampa Bay uh, ranked in rushing was 15th with Jameis in 2016. The team finished 9-7 and, and two uh, Nick Folk uh, field goals away from 11-5 and five in the playoffs. Yeah, you got to have a good team around you no matter how good you're playing, no matter how much or how solid the quarterback play is. If you don't have a good team around you, you ain't winning jack uh salute to you tj elevating your craft and your skills be rooting for you my guy i appreciate that man thank you man i enjoy doing this show um i, I enjoy just you know interviewing individuals uh get their perspective on teams uh you know the saints football nfl in general so and also just man stuff outside of the nfl man when i get opportunity to interview people on 90.9 fm uh wlgi where i work so I love doing interviews, man. I like to get people's perspective on different topics. So glad to have those individuals on there, blessed uh, to have them and um, thank them for the opportunity, man, you know, for them to, uh, you know, be able to come on here, man, because I understand they're extremely busy and they're doing so many other things. And, you know, for them to, uh, you know, come on the show, you know, it's really humbling and, uh, you know, it just shows how far this show have come, has come, you know, from us doing this uh, starting back in October 2018. Uh, if you had to pick, uh, who do you pick to be our top three receivers this year uh, from the, our receiving corp? Uh, well, you know, it, it, let's, if, if we're not putting injuries into it, uh, Michael Thomas, of course, uh, Marquez Calloway, uh, Deontay Harris, and uh, Traquan Smith. And I probably would add Lil Jordan Humphreys into there. You know, those are the guys that I would say that would be a part of our wide receiver rotation without any injuries, occurring, suspensions, or what have you. Those are the guys that I feel would be there. And if a guy like Kevin White can beat out somebody like Lil Jordan Humphreys, uh, then, yeah, roll with that. Roll with that. Uh, Sean Payton is major upgrade from Bruce Arians for Jameis to cut down interceptions and take care of the ball. Yeah, I agree, man. I mean, uh Bruce Arians is a guy that likes to risk it you know I, I don't want man we like I don't I don't y'all know the phrase everybody uses he likes to throw the ball down the field right so uh 
man, big, you know what I'm saying? Big risk, you know what I'm saying? High reward, big risk, you know what I'm saying? Like big risk type taker is Bruce Arians. Sean Payton is not like that. You know, Sean Payton is mostly about execution and ball security. So, yeah. And uh, finally, uh, is Kim. Kim says, Marquez about the ball, man. Uh, hats off to Sean for finding diamonds in the rough. Well, uh, I wish I can uh, I wish I can give him all the credit for that, but I'm going to be real with y'all. That guy um, that, that finds those diamonds in the rough, uh, he's no longer with the team. He's the general manager of the Atlanta Falcons, and that's Terry Fontenot. Terry Fontenot is one of those guys that was uh, the guy that's supposed to be scouting and finding those undrafted free agents that people had hard times finding. And uh, he did an outstanding job, man, finding those guys, him and Jeff Ireland, who I feel like the Saints need to keep under wraps as well. Those guys do a really good job going out here finding these undrafted players to get them in the system and, and have these guys performing at a high level. So Terry Fontenot, uh, the new uh, general manager of the Falcons, uh, he's going to do an outstanding job. And I wish him all the best. You know, I know it's the Falcons, but at the same time, man, you know, I'm always rooting for the brothers. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> you know, a guy that, that has uh, been homegrown, uh, built his resume through the Saints organization, went to Tulane, uh, a Louisiana native, always rooting for Louisiana natives also. You know, got to put that out there. Uh, so, I mean, I wish him the best as long as he's not playing the Saints. But I want to say thank you all for checking out the State of the Saints podcast. Really do appreciate it. I'm asking you all and encouraging you all to check out the Pigskin Podcast Network. Uh, that's the official home of the State of the Saints podcast. Uh, check it out. Uh, also, check out the State of the Saints podcast on audio form. Uh, we want to try to get our numbers up uh, in audio uh, podcast form as well. I appreciate people checking this out on YouTube and checking out the videos. But uh, if you can't, like if you're on the go, you're jogging, you're working out at the gym, the audio uh, podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network is available right now. Also, you can follow your truly on Twitter at TJ Jones 8. That's T-J-A-Y Jones 8. The State of the Saints podcast on Facebook, facebook.com. Search the State of the Saints podcast. Before you go, go ahead and give the show a thumbs up. Let everybody know that you like the State of the Saints podcast. We will be here after the game, after the Saints and Jaguars game to break down what happened, what the Saints need to do, what what the highs, what were the lows, what were the good, what was the bad, what was the ugly. We will be here for the State of the Saints podcast post-game show. You all enjoy the rest of your afternoon. If you're checking this out live or have a good day, evening, night, whenever you're checking out this podcast. And all I got to say is, who that?